everyone, and welcome to episode 113 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we shift into gear for the plus side of Disney, and that ain't no lie. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing good. It's uh, It's been a fun week of games and some big news uh, in the streaming front, so it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, I was lucky enough to attend D23 and relevant to our podcast is the launch and announcement of Disney Plus. So it's officially launching on November 12th, 2019. So get your calendars ready. And there is going to be a ton of content included. Yeah, I mean, this is like we knew that they were going to have a lot of content. We got more details in some of the new program, but just the wealth of stuff they're going to have from their back catalog of stuff is just going to be incredible from day one. Yeah, the one thing I want to mention right off the bat is that if you sign up, even today, to be a D23 free member, you just go to D23.com, you sign up, you don't have to pay any money at all. Once you do, you can then sign up for three years of Disney Plus for $140.97, which saves you $13 a year on the existing annual price, and it comes down to $3.92 a month for the next 36 months. So there's no reason not to sign up. Yeah, I mean, this is like a no-brainer. I mean, some people may have wanted to wait to see what that bundle deal was with Hulu and ESPN+, Plus, but at $3.92 a month, you it's a no-brainer. Make sure you get in on this deal. You have only until September 2nd to get in on the deal, and the sooner you sign up for the D23, the sooner you'll have access to the deal. And the site was so bombed today on the day we were recording that it went down, so make sure you get in on this amazing opportunity. Yeah, give yourself some time because for that that monthly price, you get every single Pixar title. You get every single Disney Vault title. They're literally opening up the Disney Vault and all those classic animated movies are going to be available. And then you're going to have most of the Star Wars and Marvel releases. You for sure get Star Wars episodes one through nine. I think Solo and Rogue One are still on Netflix, so it's they still have to expire that contract. And then on Marvel, I think Black Panther 2, Guardians 2, that type of time frame is still with Netflix. But Infinity War and Endgame are going to be part of Disney+. Plus. So it's just some Netflix things have to expire. But pretty much all of Marvel, all of Star Wars, all of Disney, all of Pixar... Plus, every Simpsons episode is going to be available, regardless of all the original shows we're about to talk about. So in the video that I saw of the demo of them going through this thing, Rogue One was on there already. Okay, so good. So that's definitely going to be It might just there. be Solo then. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. But yeah, I mean, really, that's amazing for $3.92 a month. You can just go on. You could just have a random button to shuffle through any Simpsons episode when you're going to bed. You could be like, oh, let's watch any <laughs> Disney anime. Like, we're going to watch Little Mermaid or Aladdin or Lion King or whatever. Yeah, Amazing. if you have kids, this is a no-brainer. If you, especially if you have kids that watch these things over and over and over again, you are going to get your money's worth. I mean, you can see the kid can have them all on his own device. All the content, you're going to be able to download it. They can download it to their iPad and watch it offline as much as they want for the three years that you're paying, and then odds are the price will go up after three years, but you're going to be so hooked on this content that you're just going to want to stick with it. And then the service supports four screens simultaneously and has 4K. So not like Netflix where you have to add all these extra pricing tiers. It's the same pricing tier to have the whole ultimate feature set of Disney+. Plus. 
Right, and you get with the, you get four screens simultaneously, and you can have up to ten devices that you're downloading the content on. So, uh, plenty for any actual family that's going to sit down. Odds are you're going to be watching a lot of this stuff together, but if not, everyone can be watching their own things on TVs. And for the average family, four streams should be plenty. And so, there's going to be original shows coming. So this is all just existing content that. Disney's already released, but they're going to make shows and movies specifically for Disney Plus. And we'll start off with Marvel, which they already previously announced the Falcon and Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, What If, WandaVision, and Loki. And then at D23, they announced that they're going to also be releasing Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk. So this is really fun because these movie or these shows are going to be right in parallel with the movies as part of Marvel's Phase 4 as they introduce new characters and develop the world post-Endgame. Yeah, so a lot of this content, it's rolling out over several years. This isn't all going to be like starting on day one. This stuff is there. They're going to roll it out in conjunction with the movies, and it's all going to flow in this natural great timeline. One of the things we also did learn is the Disney Plus service is going to be a release episode by episode, not a binge yeah, it's kind a week of by setup. week release, yep. So, uh, and which makes sense because that's how Disney does all their content on TV and everything ha- existing. It's only going to be that old content that you'll be able to binge, but the new content that's going to be released like any normal show would. Which, if you're only paying three dollars and ninety two cents, who cares? Like that's fine with me. I don't care if I have to wait. Maybe I'll I'll be watching one show, let another show build up, maybe binge that show. So. Uh, it's I'm fine with that for for the price point. No problems with having to wait episode by episode. Yeah, it's a different mentality, but it also lets you appreciate a show more like a lot of people burn through Stranger Things. I mean, some people started watching at midnight and we're done by eight in the morning or whatever. <laughs> so you get no time to really savor it or digest what's going on. And so they're forcing you to do it. And the main reason really is that they designed all as much content as they could to be available on launch day, November 12th, but they didn't really have much to say, oh, this is coming Q1, you know, 2020, or this is our slate for Q2 2020. So a lot is for this launch window. And if there was all available day one, you would burn through that. And then they kind of are going to have a lull in original programming as this service gets underway. Well, see, I also do kind of like this going back to this older common style because then you don't have as many chances that something's going to get completely spoiled for you before you even have a chance to start it because not everyone has the time to binge an entire series overnight uh so there was always these problems with the internet ruining things for you or having to avoid shows putting filters on your social media so you don't see spoilers this is kind of goes back to where now people can talk about a show episode by episode and really dive into it And it goes back to that classic style, which I kind of miss. And then, of course, if you do sign up for Disney Plus for three years, this stuff is going to stockpile over that 36-month period. You know, you don't need to watch everything in the first month. You're good for 35 more months after that. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. You can really take your time going through it. I mean, obviously, you're going to still be watching content on other channels and streaming services, so there's no need to rush through this content either. Yep. I'm really excited, though, for Miss Marvel. She's super popular on the comic side right now, and we'll see how they're able to do it justice in a TV show format. But all of these Marvel shows have much more storytelling time. Like the Loki show has six hours. They're not going to 
have as much storytelling if they made a Loki standalone movie for two hours. So already there, that's a perfect example. And then you're going to bring in She-Hulk because Bruce Banner, his arm is permanently destroyed after that. So we get to introduce a new compelling character. And then Moon Knight is going to be really tough to incorporate because his comics are very dark. I mean, they could probably do a rated R version of this. I don't think they're going to, but that's how dark Moon Knight's storyline can be. Yeah, no, they're definitely not. This is, remember, this is all going to be family-friendly on this. And, in fact, there was another series where I heard they they canceled the previous announced. I think it was one on, like, villains based on, like, a... Unlike on Disney villains based mm-hmm. on um, some series of young adult books. I guess they wanted to tackle more like t- other themes. I think with the high school musical TV series, too, they wanted to uh, tackle more like adultish themes. And they fired the whole writing staff and brought in a new writing staff because they need to keep this kid like family friendly. All the content that's going to be on Disney Plus. It's. I don't think it can be older than PG thirteen. So I think they they really have to like hone it in and make sure that there's nothing there that uh, that they could risk that. And we'll see how that develops going forward. Especially, I don't know how many people are going to sign up for Disney Plus, but more people are going to go to the movies and see these big tentpole Marvel releases. And the next time they have a team up movie, like a Secret Wars or something like that. It's going to be tough to incorporate these TV show characters. Like, say you wanted to add Miss Marvel to the cast, but, well, I don't have Disney+. Plus. You know, I've seen all the other Marvel movies. So it's going to be a fun tightrope for Marvel to... Because they're not going to have Disney Plus be required viewing, but also the movie isn't going to spend the first few minutes, you know, like that show recap when you start a new season. So we'll see how they pull it off. Yeah, so they did do some of this even with their ABC series. So, like, especially if you watched um, Agents of Shield, whenever there was a new big that's inverted tenfold, though. No, I, I'm it, talking right. from the movie perspective. From oh, the you're show talking perspective, about, like, it's super yeah. easy. But I don't. The movies didn't acknowledge Agents of Shield. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, the movies never did. Uh, but yeah, the the TV shows brought it. But I think we're gonna see a lot more crossover of the content now that Disney plus, cause these seem like they're going to be high end, well-produced uh, series, like really well-written and taking the time to do it right. That they could have those much cleaner crossovers if they wanted to. Yeah. I will just see how they pull it off. And speaking of high production values, they showed the trailer of the Mandalorian and this is week one. Episode one is going to be available on November 12th. And this looks absolutely phenomenal. It looks pretty much of the quality of Rogue One, but it's in a TV show. You know, it's full movie budget type, but made for the TV platform. Disney's putting a lot of money into this, and The Mandalorian looks absolutely awesome. It's set after Return of the Jedi, and it's going to be essentially what happens when the Empire is collapsed in this lawless world. There's no central government, and so bounty hunters are going to reign supreme, and we get to focus on the lore of Mandalore and dive into kind of what they established in Rebels with Sabine and build on to that with uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau working together to create this live action TV show experience. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell that they've put a lot of money in this. I, I don't know if they're, they're going to be losing money, if they, especially at the $3.92 price point that a lot of people are going to be paying. But still, like the amount of money they got to be investing in this over a long term, they're expecting people to sign up and continue to pay for the service over the long haul as they continue 
to introduce new series, more episodes of popular series, and all of their other content. They've they've set a bar now, especially with this Mandalorian, and now everything has to be that that kind of quality and better, I assume, that we're gonna see in this in this whole project and all of the series that come with it. Yeah, the Disney COO isn't expecting profitability from Disney Plus until 2024, but they're going all in to spend money on it. But you can still see how they're going to make money. Just to think, you're charging people $140 for 36 months, so for three years. I mean, that gives you a good base to work with. <laughs> oh, right, that is a great pool of money to pull in on the top, especially if you get a lot of people. Now... If you do it right, then you can continue. You get them to continue paying past that point. Apple, I don't know how we like we talked about this before. We just don't know how they're even going to make the money to recoup the amount of stuff they've spent so far just on what little they have. At least yeah, like Apple TV here, Plus is DOA just because of this Disney Plus, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, Disney Plus, you can see the roadmap. You can see how they're going to do this. Apple TV, we still have no clue, uh, but they, Disney is definitely doing this right. And so to continue the Star Wars theme, Clone Wars is coming back for a final season in February 2020. I mentioned Dave Filoni finally gets to finish out the storyline of young Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and all that good fun stuff. And then they brought out Ewan McGregor to confirm that there's going to be a live action Obi-Wan TV show with him reprising his role. Yeah, I mean, the Clone Wars is one of the ones that I've heard so many good things about. I assume that all the back catalog of episodes are going to be available on the That's service what I as well. For. They didn't mention it. They just said this new season's coming. But because I know the old season was or the old six seasons were on Netflix, but they disappeared from Netflix. So hopefully that means they're going to show up on Disney Plus. I hope so, because this is one I've been hearing about for a while. And it just I never had a chance to watch it. I, even when it was on Netflix, I didn't have a chance. And. So especially if it is going to tie into other things and then they're going to have this other this final season on the service. These are the type of things you can catch up on while waiting for the episodes of the weekly shows that you're 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 going to be watching as well. And then we didn't even talk about Disney Channel. Every single Disney Channel series and movie is going to make it over to Disney Plus and then they're going to launch a new Phineas and Ferb movie with Candace against the universe. And we have a new high school musical, the musical, ser the series, a TV show. And then they're going to reboot Lizzie McGuire with Hillary Duff become being back, but as a, her 30 year old self, but she still has the animated 13 year old self kind of in her head. <laughs> I never watched. Liz I think I was too old for Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, me too. On. But Phineas and Ferb, I'm so excited for this movie. I love Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm definitely going to watch that. I, it's it's interesting just seeing how they're bringing back a lot of these nostalgic properties because people grew up with a lot of these things. And now they have the ability uh, and a place to put them on and test them out because they could try out a single episode of something on this service, see if it does well. And if it does, pick it up for a series. And this can be a, a testing ground for future things as just a place where they can put things and see how they go. And I wonder if they're going to experiment more than if, when they put stuff on ABC. Like ABC, it's very formulaic, the shows that they've gone with. And just the shows they've already announced for Disney Plus seem more cutting edge or more pushing the boundaries of what's capable on TV. Yeah, yeah. They definitely seem to be like almost like that Internet mentality where 
it's something you would put out like as a web series to try it out in the past, but now they actually have a service where they can drop it on because it's maybe not ready for network and they don't have to get advertisers and figure all that out. Here, it's their own thing and they can just drop it on and see how it does. And then Pixar is going to have two shows coming soon. The first is Forky X Ask a Question. So Toy Story 4, <laughs> Forky is going to be available with these little animated shorts in the naive style that he has. Nice. I like Forky. And then Monsters at Work takes place after the uh, events of Monsters, Inc. So essentially, it's focused on this kid who's just graduating He's at the top of his class. He's like scare cum laude or something. He's like the best scare they have. And then Monsters, Inc. ends where Sully and Mike have transitioned the entire company from scares to laughs. So literally he graduated and the following day they've changed it to laughs. So his entire life is turned upside down and it's kind of him dealing with that future. That was a possible spoiler. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you've if seen you Monsters Inc. If you haven't seen Monsters Inc., it came out in like 1997 <laughs> or something. <laughs> hopefully you've seen it by now. But I, it does sound like a cool idea, a cool concept. It's a good premise. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And then we have The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Because guess what? It turns out that Fox owned National Geographic. And so this is going to be part of Disney+. Plus, and it's a National Geographic-owned show. And this is just like the full-on caricature of Jeff Goldblum every single day doing different kinds of new experiences to him. I did watch this trailer, and this looks amazingly good. This looks like something you'd see on, like, the Travel Channel or mm-hmm. even Food Network or or, one, or Discovery, one of the Discovery channels. It's basically, yeah, just Jeff Goldblum going around. If cool stuff that he likes, he sees how it's made, how, it, like, the impact it has. He goes and watches, sne- looks at sneakers and the appeal of sneakers, ice cream, and other things as well and yeah it's a fun little trailer to watch he seems like he's absolutely insane sometimes but uh he is. it looks <laughs> it looks like it's gonna be a fun weird kind of off the wall show and i'm looking forward and to that then one. guess what disney they are gonna have movies available for this service too it's not just gonna be tv shows and so they have those familiar Disney shows, the first one is called Togo, and it is about a Iditarod racer and this one little misfit dog and the whole story of him. You know, he's going to end up saving the day as they're like freezing to death in the North Pole in usual Disney fashion. And then you have Noel, <laughs> which is Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader in a Christmas movie where Santa needs to retire. Bill Hader's his son to try to take over. He doesn't want to take over. And so now all the responsibility falls on Anna Kendrick and she has to try to get her brother back and... Just the usual kind of Disney magical Christmas thing. It's kind of goofy. Yeah, that one sounds good. And I think that one's scheduled to come out this year. So I assume that's Christmas yeah, for this time Christmas. this year. Yeah. yeah. And then probably the... Well, there's two other ones. The first one is Timmy Failure. If you've ever read Pearls Before Swine in the newspaper, it's a comic strip. The writer, Stephen Pastis, wrote these kids' books for Scholastic called Timmy Failure, where he's like a 10-year-old detective who's super goofy And he is, like, obstinate and, as you could imagine, for a 10-year-old detective kid. And it has a Calvin and Hobbes vibe where he has a 1,500-pound polar bear, but it's like Calvin and Hobbes. So you can take... But it is the whole live-action 1,500-pound polar bear on film. The whole movie is live-action. And it looks like they casted a fun little kid. Yeah. I've never even heard of this. This sounds like a pretty pretty popular kid's book. I don't know. I have two kids, and I even heard of Timmy Failure. I don't know. I somehow I missed this one. And then Song Girl has uh, 
Someone who won America, the little girl who won America's Got Talent in some year. I've never watched America's Got Talent. Oh, Grace I just know, Vanderwall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. pedigree they gave us. So she's yeah, in it. Star it's, Girl. Yeah, she's like a little uh, eccentric high school kid who's musical inclined and all that kind of fun stuff. Coming of age story. Oh, my kids will probably love this one. The big one, though, the big name one that's going to be available on November 12th for launch is Lady and the Tramp live action. And you know that Disney could have sent this to theaters and it probably would have done close to what Aladdin and Lion King have done this year. But it's going to be their big tent pole for Disney+. Plus. Now, did you see any kind of trailer for this? Did it look yeah. like realistic? It does. They cast, they have actual dogs. Oh, they, they did. brought the oh, dogs okay. out on stage. So oh, this nice. isn't like <laughs> lions and all that kind of stuff in Lion King. They have, you know, it's all dogs. So they use real dogs. They only use the live action CGI part to let them talk, essentially. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah. But okay. It. I mean, it has the, it looks on the quality of Lion King and Aladdin, but it's just going straight to Disney Plus. It's not like some watered down live action version of it. Right. Right. Cool. And you can watch the animated Lady and the Tramp right beforehand because they're both on the same service nice perfect you can compare and contrast yep and then they have one day at disney which is going to be a a documentary series so they had they were like oh we have a new surprise disney plus show coming you know and then they announced it at d23 and a lot of people were hoping it was some big star wars or marvel or something like that and there was some definite disappointment because essentially it's just a documentary series about their cast members job and you know it's going to focus on the brightest points it's not going to show the negative or underbellies of working at disney no no they're not going to show someone dying on the job or overheating in the costumes and or just having a horrible yeah kids are peeing <laughs> on your costume or kicking <laughs> you in the legs or anything stuff like that they how actually awesome have to deal would it be with. if they had an episode like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this i think is going to be a disney employee recruiting documentary but it's Probably. available yeah and I mean, I think there's 19 shows that are going to be available on November 12th for launch. You know, it's going to be a week by week, but Disney's going all in on this. And then all these movies, I said, are going to be coming over the next, I think, six months. They didn't go any further than that. Yeah. And so the, looking through this entire list of things, we saw last week we discussed that Apple, when they announced there are five titles that or the five titles that are supposedly going to be at launch. We don't know if that was only five or more. It was all over the place with genres. This Disney is all over the place with genres as well, but they have so much more content that not only do they have like one show of each genre, but multiple shows of each genre that are going to appeal. So if you have a certain thing you'd like, there's going to be a collection of things you can watch in that area or certain types of certain series you like. You can watch a whole bunch of Marvel stuff, a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff, like various documentary stuff like cooking shows. Uh, entertainment shows, travelish shows, like all kinds of content, which is what you need if you're going to launch a service like this. And they're hitting everything, but with plenty of content to cover those various uh, interests. And then since we do talk about apps, I did also want to mention that they gave us a demo of how the app or how Apple TV version of Disney Plus is going to look, and this is a pretty damn slick interface. It's reminiscent of the main UI of Apple TV, and so you have the top sections. You go to one section is like Marvel, and you tap on that, and then it breaks it down into a grid of all these different Marvel properties, or you go to Star Wars, or you go over to the Disney Vault. So it's really clean and organized, so you can go to the sections that you want and then break it down 
into the different properties they have. Yeah, and the I didn't I didn't go to D twenty three, but I watched a demo of it online. And they also have the area of the stuff that you're you're currently watching. And then it sounded like it was going to ha- suggest stuff based on the things that you watched. It was going to have an area where it would kind of give you an idea of other things you might want to watch, so that it knows we have this stuff. Maybe you can't find it right away, but this is other things you may be interested in. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to work with that Apple TV app interface to, you know, have that coming up next or go with the suggestions or anything. But Disney, I know, is going to build it into their own thing. Like, say you did watch the classic animated Lady and the Tramp. I'm sure it's going to suggest the new live action version for you. Right, right. And we did. I believe we mentioned this before. It's coming to pretty much every platform except for the Amazon Fire Stick platforms uh, at launch. It's going to be on all these various services. So if you have Roku, it's going to be on there, Apple TV, uh, Chrome Stick or whatever it is, Chromecast, uh, and all these other things are going to have the app. So you'll be able to watch it on whichever devices you happen to have. The only one that you could be out of luck, which it sounds like they're still working out a deal, is with Amazon and the Fire TV, but hopefully you have more than one of these because most people tend to have multiple different ones of these streaming devices around. And just at this point, I don't know how the iPhone and iPad versions are going to look, but the Apple TV version looks clean and it looks much improved on what Netflix offers, what Amazon Prime offers, and what Hulu offers. It's worth mentioning Disney now owns Hulu and they could make more adult content for that platform but for the time being they haven't really touched hulu done anything at all it just is another money opportunity for them but we'll see going forward if they redesign hulu but you have to give disney credit that they're not just having the content but they're also working on the app to make it as clean of an interface as possible to discover this content because their main competitors are technology companies and they're an entertainment company but now it seems like their technology is going to be better than these technology companies. Yeah, I have to imagine that their interface, they're going to try to make this kind of a unified look across all the platforms. Which I did Netflix just actually has not been able which to has do, not sadly. been able to do so. But I'm hoping they will. Yeah, we haven't seen what it looks like on other devices. I did just before we start recording. I heard that they're rolling out an update that changes the look of how Hulu looks. And it was coming oh, to good. iOS and Xbox. I don't know what other platforms as well. I checked and my phone didn't have an updated version of the Hulu app yet, but there is an update rolling out for that. I don't know if it's going to look more like this or different. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know they're rolling out a new look for the Hulu app. So and then we'll mentioning see. Hulu, it's worth noting that if you do sign up for the three-year, it's going to really make it very difficult to get the bundle price with ESPN and Hulu. But it's worth noting that the Hulu is the ad-supported version, so you're not that getting that good of a deal. Me and Brett both got the Hulu ad-supported version for $0.99, cents, so you don't really need to bundle it with your Disney+. Plus. And ESPN+, Plus doesn't have, like, Monday Night Football. It doesn't have NBA games. It's all these weird kind of things. So I don't know how essential that is either. It's better to just get that three-year plan for Disney+. Plus. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would definitely, especially if you don't care about the ESPN Plus, because I believe the Hulu, the normal price is like five ninety nine a month or something like that for that. Or maybe it's six ninety nine. I don't remember what it is for that ad supported one. But I think you're still going to be lower than the twelve ninety nine, uh, even if you subscribe to just Hulu, the normal Hulu and this 
discs, severely discounted uh, Disney Plus. Uh, I'm hoping they have another one of these deals for a, bu- a buck a month, but I doubt it. Or maybe they'll do something I for think people. They might. I I don't know. Just we'll because see. Disney's trying to get people to join Hulu, I think. Yeah, but you may have to sign up under a new name if you do it. They may not be allowed existing. Oh yeah, not returning customers. Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, sense. But um, we'll see. Maybe they'll offer something in the future for people that did sign up for this three-year deal to add on Hulu or add on ESPN for a cheaper price. Maybe have to pay upfront for all three years for that too. But uh, we'll see. Uh, but you really don't want to miss this super cheap deal on the Disney Plus. There's so much here that you're. I think you're definitely going to get your money's worth uh, for the next three years at least. Yep. So that's our good Disney Plus rundown. It's going to be very tough for Apple to compete with that. I don't know how they're going to, but I'm sure we'll get to talk about it after the iPhone event and we get to laugh at the comparison. <laughs> but regardless, yeah, there's a, ton, there's a ton of App Store games for us to talk about. And we spent so much time on Disney Plus. We'll see how much time this actual podcast goes. <laughs> <laughs> so the first game is Gris. That's G-R-I-S. And as soon as you see this game, you're like, Man, this looks like it could have been an Apple Arcade title. And sadly, it's not. But you can play it now. You don't have to wait until Apple Arcade launches. And it's a really ornate, detailed gaming experience, which is more of just a simple adventure. Like, this isn't going to be the most complex gameplay you ever come across. But you play, the game starts with an actual cutscene. And so you fall down onto this broken sky rock hand, and you start with a. Uh, this female character, and you really are unsure what to do. So you just start running forward. You're kind of in the desert, and you're just running. And then you get onto these old abandoned temples and structures, and you can climb a few areas, but it's a lot just running forward, progressing forward. And then you get into these metal ornate structures, and you can find these stair pathways, and you start rising and discovering that really what you need to do is find these little stars. Because the stars are going to be, create these bridge constellations to get to new regions and new areas. And as you get into these new areas, they become more and more ornate with the pathways you have to travel to get to these stars to make the overarching bridge so they can get to the new area. And it just builds upon that core structured idea. But again, you're just essentially drag on the left side of the screen to move, tap on the right side of the screen to jump. And then you'll unlock special abilities. Like the first one you lock, unlock makes you into this big like stone where you can now push platforms down and that unlocks new puzzle mechanics and it just builds in that way. Yeah, and immediately you're just taken by the just the beauty of this game when you first load it up. I mean, it's all this really nice watercolor art style that immediately pulls you in and you see that initial cutscene where Gris, which is the name of the, the main character, the, the girl that drops down, she loses her voice and now you're kind of on this mission and finding those stars and the constellations and I mean, you it's exactly what you said, where you it's kind of more like the linear levels as you go through. It's not the most challenging of of figuring out the puzzles, but the way it progressively builds on the character and builds her abilities to like have new things to try and new ways of solving these these areas. Like now you can break the, the areas or you can use the weight to push down platforms. It it does a nice job of like this nice progression as you go and building up things. And it just with each new 
area that you enter, just the world is painted beautifully. Uh, the only complaint that I had was sometimes with all of that art that's around, it's kind of tough to tell what's in the foreground, what's in the background. So like even at the very beginning, there's all these kind of like rocks and stones and you're not into the game that far yet. So you're thinking, oh, wait, I got to jump over these rocks. That must be part of the game where I have to if I hit these, I'm going to die. And so you start jumping and then you quickly realize, wait a minute, this is all in the foreground. It really doesn't even matter. I just run right by them. So it's not always clear what is things that are obstacles and what's things that you have to like walk or climb on, especially like sometimes it zooms your way out. Uh, so that was a little confusing at times, but overall it's just, it, it's not super challenging, but it's definitely engrossing and pulls you right in. Uh, and you want to explore this, this rich world that they've kind of crafted out of watercolors. Really exactly the, just the experience of interacting with this adventure. Cause for me, the first 15 minutes, I definitely noticed that whole distinction between the foreground and what rocks you can actually climb on. Once you get into the game, it's clear they don't they go away from that. But the first 15 minutes, you're like running and you're not doing anything. There's no real. It's just weird. I was like, man, this feels like Fortnite where you're just running to the storm and it's super boring. <laughs> and you're just running and nothing's happening. And then finally, once the game gets going, it's a really compelling adventure because, again, it's not the most challenging thing, but. It does just enough so you want to explore the world to see what's next, to see what new encounters and possibilities are going to come and watch the gorgeous map sh shift and take shape to a new region. Because right at the start, you're, you're building colors back into the world. So the first level you complete, you unlock red. And now the whole watercolor experience is red. And then you're going to unlock a new color so it's kind of overlaid and you build the actual real colors of the world back together. Yeah, and one of the other elements that really pulls you in is the sound in this game as well. If you, It's one of those where it tells you, you should put on headphones, and you totally should put on headphones. Like, this, the soundtrack in this thing is just amazing, and just it just helps to build this world, this fantastical world that you're in, and just, uh, just I don't know, it just really... Uh, a very well done soundtrack and I don't it just completes the entire experience. Yep. So that's Gris. It's four ninety nine, it's universal, which the one disappointing part is the Apple Arcade might be four ninety nine a month and it's tough to spend five dollars <laughs> on an individual game, but we don't know the actual price of Apple Arcade and So buy it now. Yes. Before Apple <laughs> Arcade. Yes. It's a great experience. Yep. And then there's Gears Pop, which this comes from as a collaboration between Microsoft and Funko, where the makers of little pop vinyl figures have used their art style to lend it over to Microsoft to make essentially what is Clash Royale, <laughs> but with a Gears of War themed Funko Pop version of all the characters. And so it's not too different gameplay wise. It's a top down real time strategy game where you drag your units onto the screen, they drag their units, and you try to defeat their three points. You know, they have two turrets and one main base, and they're trying to do the same to you. And you have uh, an energy system at the bottom. Each character costs a certain amount of energy, and that's all well and good. Really, the distinction comes on having the Gears of War connection, where the character classes aren't completely new. They're not like these made-up units. You have a basis that... You know, Marcus Phoenix or K 
Kate Diaz are going to be more powerful characters. They have more, they're tougher to unlock. The upgrades are more important as you're going. They can be more valuable units to place to kind of turn the tide in these given strategy units because that has that history of Gears of War. And then there's the whole cute Funko Pop style. So you have these little pins that tie to each character and that ties into your upgrade units. And then you get to customize your own character. And then there's a whole social connection, which probably is the best part of the game because once you join a group or a club, you can then go on Horde co-op missions where you get to play with another person against the computer. There's very difficulty levels and you get to work together to try to defeat these main big kind of bosses in a whole co-op Horde mode. Yeah, so so for full disclosure here, I think I played Clash Royale for a day when it first came out and then never played it again. And Gears of War, I think I played one of the games once and that was it. So I kind of went into this knowing that it looked a lot like Clash Royale, not knowing much about Gears of War or the characters or any of that kind of stuff. The thing I really appreciated about the game is actually the boot camp mode that they have, because it teaches you the strategy of how you should pair up these various units that you have. Maybe you should send out this unit, immediately send this unit behind it to protect it. And it does a nice job of kind of introducing you to some of the basic strategy, where I think part of the problem with a lot of these games, for me at least, is I don't play them a lot. So... I don't know the strategy going in and then you go up against someone online and they happen to know the strategy or they have like all these units and they know exactly the best order to deploy them and you just get crushed completely. But having this kind of basic little boot camp mode that teaches you the fundamentals of how to use the troops, not I mean, the interface is easy enough that you can figure that out, but just some of that basic strategy is excellent in getting you up and running and then into battle as quickly as possible that now you can kind of play with that and do your own thing but at least you know kind of these rough things about what goes with what if you don't know these various character classes and you're not familiar with it that it gives you that stepping stone to kind of build off your own strategy off of yeah that's definitely worth noting it's pretty cool it's it's like a interactive tutorial where it doesn't feel like a tutorial there's not those constant state of pop-ups you kind of just to get to experiment but but it gives you just a few units so you figure out this mechanic and then you build all the mechanics together to be more versed in the game i think my main problem is just the matchmaking just seems off i don't know if it's just me if it's my perception but it seems like the game matches you up based on what your current level is but it doesn't match you up based on what pins you have upgraded. So some people could have really powerful units that defeat yours, and the game doesn't realize that. So you could essentially buy your advantage. Like, I can't confirm this, but it feels like someone could have a level 8 Marcus Phoenix, and you could be at a level 3 Marcus Phoenix, but you're both overall still a level 5. And so it matches you up that way. Yeah, I think I, I did notice a little bit of that, especially where they seem to have you know, one or two super powerful troops that they're putting out that I have nothing that can even compare to it. Like, I put anything, even my most powerful one up against it, and it just takes it out in like a couple of shots. And I didn't know if it was just kind of the pairings I was doing where they had someone that worked better against the thing I happened to be putting up, or if it was, like you're saying, where it bases the matchmaking on some other element and not necessarily the levels of the individual pins or troop units that you have. 
Yeah, it feels kind of like Golf Blitz, where in Golf Blitz, you specifically see that that person is level 21 and you're at level 12, and you're like, they're going to have a much better cooldown and strength of their shot. You, you know that going in. And this game doesn't show you the current levels of who you're matched up against. So it's like, I, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, say you had, because you earn gears every time you win, but you don't lose gears when you lose a match. So if you played 100 matches and you lose 99 of them, it doesn't impact your score or rating or anything. It's really weird, but then I think it's going to use that as a matchmaking system. So if you're both at 500 little gear bits, then you're going to be matched that way and you don't get to see it. At least if I knew going in that this guy is going to have a way better deck than I am, I I have a understanding of why he just totally took me out super quick because really honestly, there's not the most strategy you can have in this game. It's accessible strategy made for the masses. This isn't like this ornate strategy elements of what you both do. It's going to play out relatively the same. A lot of the matches I play end up in draws or ties or it goes to sudden death and one person finally pushes over the edge because there's only so many ways you can play this game. Yeah, it's at some point, depending on the randomness of how your your troops are coming out, it's just going to be whoever can drag them out the fastest. And to, I mean, there is some more strategy than that. But the basic mentality is if you can get your troops out faster, capture those points faster so then you can start your troops up further on the on the path then you're obviously going to take an early lead maybe they can recover from that maybe they can't but there is a basic underlying strategy that works some percentage of the time then it comes down to just who has better things that they bought uh yeah then i feel like the units because there's some matches i go in and I get absolutely destroyed. And I played exactly the same that I played the past, you know, three wins that I had. And it's just when you have that enemy character that plows through all your guys with one shot each. And you're like, I played the same. Like, I threw out my Marcus Phoenix and you killed him with like two shots. And yours just went through five of my units. It's like, this doesn't seem balanced right. Right, right, yeah. So that was my disappointing part of the game, and it's kind of preventing me from going all in to really play because I'm having a good time playing with friends when it's against the AI. I'm having a good time with the boot camp and learning how to do it, but when you go just to that generic battle mode, I feel like they need to tweak the matchmaking setup or at least show me who I'm going against that I am already at a disadvantage because maybe then I play my units differently. But I th- even like in Golf Blitz, they hit that at one point. I think it came back. They hit those those levels at one point to try and keep people me. from knowing no there was something i've seen it on on uh and no they did disappear for me at one point and then they came back and well, then i, I saw people posting about while, it on so maybe that's I, why. I, it's back now but the people posted i saw a whole bunch on reddit as well and they hit it at one point and i think it was probably because people were complaining like oh why did this person beat me and i'm higher level than them and it gets rid of that point of you going in with this kind of expectation that you're going to win or lose based on those points and see how, just see how you do. Um, and it could be just a mental thing. Uh, but I do like to see, to know if I feel like it's an unfair match. Even right It from feels the get-go. better when you beat somebody who's level 22 and you're level 12. True. Cause true. you can't yeah. still can. It's not like you're completely overmatched. You don't have, because that still has the skill element. You got to make the shots. You got to pull off the shots, regardless of anything. 
this game, there's not the most skill of going from the bottom layer and dragging my guy onto the <laughs> battlefield. Right, it's just how fast can you move your finger. <laughs> yeah. But it's really well designed. It kind of makes you forget about Clash Royale. It's really production values are high. It's well balanced for the cuteness of it while still having the action and the strategy involved. So I think it makes it accessible with that whole Funko Pop design vibe, but then it has the more grittier Gears theme to it. It's a nice juxtaposition that's balanced well. Yep, yeah, I agree. And it's guess what? It's free. So that's Gears Pop. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Telling Lies, which is a really interesting experience. You know, it's not that typical game idea. We've seen it before in her story, and it's very similar, but it kind of builds it out in a whole bunch of different ways. So the main idea is that you access like a police database and you're watching old clips, recorded clips of these different characters. So in this case, they're all kind of like video phone calls. It's like they recorded FaceTime calls and you get to search various search strings. Like you'll search, it starts off with love and it will bring up all the videos that have the word love in it. And you can start going through different words. It's the whole rabbit hole of, well, let me search murder or death or lie and see if anybody's talked about these type of things. And you only get to watch half of the conversation. So the main character is David and he's talking to his wife, Emma, sometimes. But then he's also could be talking to his daughter. Or his wife is also talking to her mom. Or there's these two other... There's uh, this Russian girl that you could potentially talk to. And how does that relate to anybody else? And who's this other person that was only in a few videos? And what even is the overarching storyline? What am I trying to find while I'm watching all these different videos? Because it's over like a long period of time. There's dates in 2017 and 2018. So this isn't like over the past five days or whatever. This is a whole ornate entangled web and you only get to watch like these little two, three minute clips from half of the side of a conversation. So it's going to take a while to unearth what this story is actually going on. Yeah, so the game is actually done by Sam Barlow, who did her story. And he's really just taken everything and amped it up to 11 for this. Like, every mm -hmm. aspect of her story has just been improved upon for this. I mean, the acting is amazing on this with all these different characters. You're in there, and you have no idea what's going on. They give you that first little search term, and you can search the database, but it only will ever pop up, like, the you'll see the, the videos pop up, and then you... They're anywhere between, I think they can be as long as like nine minutes. The thing is, the way the videos come up is that search term, say the search term because it's the one they give you, is love. When you hit play on that video, it's going to start playing right from the point where the word love is mentioned. And so there might be a whole bunch of footage earlier in that video, but you're not going to see that. You're going to see starting from where that search term is and then you can watch the end or you can drag on the screen and there's like three levels of of fast forward and rewind to try to go back in the video to see earlier stuff i wish there was like a just jump back to the beginning of the video because most of the time you're going to just watch the whole video now that you're in there you're going to, want to see what else all the surrounding information the cool thing is while you're watching the video there's captions on there so you're seeing everything that's being said and so yeah, you're, there's going to be like the actor is going to be kind of just sitting there listening at points. So you're like, he's talking to someone or she's talking to someone. I want to see what the other side of this conversation is, because it's going to give me more context. Well, any of those words that are on there in the captioning, you can highlight and tap and search for those as well. And it immediately will search and bring you up videos for those. And so now you're you're 
constantly kind of watching a clip, trying to find the other side of it. There's some search word that kind of sticks out to you while they're talking. Well, now that's another little rat hole you want to go down. You can bookmark the clips as you're going through, but it's just this kind of non-linear thing as you're trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure out who these people are, how they relate to each other. I don't even know what the whole point, like exactly what I'm trying to figure out is yet, but there's so many twists and storylines that you're trying to keep track of, and it just becomes this whole thing that you just really get sucked into you trying to figure out who these are, who these people are, what their motivations are, why they know each other, how they know each other, why th- things happen that you hear about and what they make a mention of some event in the past. And now you're trying to figure out, can I find out more information about this? Can I type in this person's name? Can I type in the, this something, some place or some uh, club or something that, or organization, will that give me any videos? Maybe you'll get nothing. Maybe you got to change your search terms around, but it just becomes this whole kind of mystery that you're going through and there's just so much content in there to watch and consume and just it's your own pace your own figuring things out so everyone's game is going to be different and then of course there's the added layer that you get to see the reflection of so there's a woman who accesses a computer and you're essentially playing her so you get to see her reflection in the computer screen and also there's like subtle sounds in the background like, you'll hear a police siren go by. You'll have, I guess, her boyfriend or husband comes in, and he's just, don't worry, I won't bother you. I'm just going into the bed or whatever. And so you have an overarching story from above this computer that you're fully interacting in and watching all these clips. So it's just another ad layer. It's like you said, the developers is just taking her story and taking it up to 11 to expand upon every single idea in that game and making it that much more complex. I mean, you can even tap on the words and you have a direct search term right there. Like say that the guy is talking and it says psych profile. So you tap on psych and now you can see someone else mentioned psych profile. And it's always that consistent rabbit hole. Because then you're just like, well, I've searched for all these specific words I was looking for to see if there's something really impactful that happened in these people's lives. Because you're saying, why do I care? You know, am I really investigating something that happened or am I just watching this documentary series you know there must be some big turning point that you care to find there's some hints or something that you're gonna uncover so you just keep searching it but then you'll just be like okay this guy his name i'll search him or then we'll search the wife's name or the daughter's name and maybe something will come up that way and really you can like you said it unfolds however you want it to your terms are completely your own you find whatever you think might be relevant and you'll watch the videos in that form and then you can fast forward rewind when you do search, it jumps right to that point. It's an eight minute video, and the term you searched comes up at 542. Well, you jump right to 542. You don't start at 001 and go and watch the whole eight minutes. So then you can fast forward and scrub through that video from that point that it gave you too. Yeah, so, and the nice thing is, like, you could take notes, which I really probably should be doing. I should have taken notes, too, yeah. As you're going through and, like, names and maybe write down information about each of these people as you find out information. But the nice thing, it does capture all of your search history. So if there was something you want to see, oh, did I search for this before? And you can see which videos you've watched before. They tag those. You can bookmark videos if there's certain ones 
that you want to come back to or you think this is useful information that maybe there's other terms in there you wanted to search for. But really, you're almost going to want a notebook and start writing down things, which I think is what I'm going to have to do at this point, because it, just to keep track of all of this information. But really, like this game is so, so well done and it's such an interesting and different kind of gameplay. Annapurna, which is the company behind this, they're also the ones, they do movies, they've also published uh, Donut County, which we loved last year, Gorgagoa, which we loved a few years ago, and it and Gone Home as well, and they just have really been doing some incredible work. I want to say they have something coming with Apple Arcade, but I can't remember for sure. I thought they did, but I, I, I'm not entirely positive, but this one is definitely a real standout. Yep. And so that's Telling Lies. It's $6.99. It's universal. If you have any interest in mystery or anything like that. Also, just to be able to watch the video clips, like you said, it's worth mentioning. Really high acting quality for all involved. This isn't just like some random people who are like stood in front of a camera. Right. No, no, no. These are actually well, well-trained actors and actresses, and it is a lot of adult content. So the app is rated 17 plus just to warn you if you if you have kids. Yep. So telling lies, 699 Universal. And then to round out the week is while true learn. And so it's a essentially a, a code, a computer code. So it's while true colon learn parenthesis open parenthesis close if you are searching <laughs> on the app store <laughs> and so this one it's familiar there's been games that kind of teach you coding have those coding elements but make it into a graphical user interface for accessibility and in this case you have one essential goal and you'll need to input this little I don't even know the term. It's <laughs> they're like block code. It's like block coding. So what you have is you have like these physical representations of various logic elements. So like maybe you have to create a the the code that you need to solve sorts like red blocks, green blocks, and blue blocks into two different. Uh, ending things. So like one might take in a red block and a green block and the other one would take in a green and a blue block. Now you have to come up with these little coding elements that you put on the screen and connect them to have like basically the logic that would be needed to sort those things. Uh, and so each it's a bit, it's a puzzle programming game, but there's this underlying story where you're basically trying to, you have this cat and you're trying to come up with eventually a cat to human translation program that will allow you to talk to your cat or understand what your cat's saying. And basically you do that by kind of building up these building blocks. So you can learn some basic logic things to start, and then you'll take on new projects and new puzzles as you go through the game that kind of keep building on that and making more difficult, more complex uh, coding. So you're kind of learning coding at the same time as solving puzzles. And if you want to take that next deep dive in, they actually have ways to go watch videos or see little informational pieces on these various coding techniques and coding elements or coding styles or people involved in coding. And so it, it mixes both education, but also humor and uh, puzzle solving all in one game. And it, I saw this one actually, uh, well, I didn't actually get to see it because they were always busy or not around. They only had like two of the days at PAX East because they were over in the mini booth area. 
Uh, so this was one I was looking forward to trying because I never got to see it actually at PAX, but I did see it. It was always busy. People were laughing while playing it. And so I, I definitely wanted to check this out. So I'm excited that it came to iOS this week. It feels a lot like Human Corporation. Yes, it, it's a similar kind of setup as those Tomorrow Incorporated games, the ones where they had like the the similar kind of logic yeah, the seven billion puzzle. humans and human yeah. resource machine. Yeah, it's definitely that similar kind of style where you're doing like a program logical programming to solve puzzles to drive a narrative forward. This one happens to be related to cats, which is always popular. Uh, but the the only issue I had with this, I really, I mean, I do programming every day for work, so I love this kind of stuff. But the only issue I had was they, it kind of, it there's a nice progression for the first few levels, and then it kind of just jumps ahead, and then it becomes pretty difficult to because you have to have the program process all of this information within a certain amount of time. There's a time limit in order to pass or there's an accuracy rating you have to have to pass. So you have to sort things uh, within some certain range of getting things wrong, or each of those little block elements you run in your program take some time. So you have to kind of figure out a way to get that program to run quickly as possible as it processes each little thing coming in. The problem I had was it really jumps in difficulty a little too quickly. I don't think that you're you've learned enough to jump as quickly as they're jumping. Uh, and hopefully they can kind of tweak that a bit with an update. But because uh, even I got stuck on one level at this point where I can't figure out how to make this thing run any faster. And I'm trying to look and see what various programming pieces I have available to me to try and do that. But I'm kind of stuck at this point that it's just not running any faster than I can get it to run. Uh, that one element, but I, I do enjoy the story and I do like this type of game, so I definitely uh, am enjoying myself, but I can see where some people might find it more work than fun, but I'm not that type of person. The problem I had is just I don't feel like it fleshed out anything for me to care to keep going. Like I understand that there's the whole story element that he wants to create a machine that can process his cat so he can understand his cat. I, I got that, but I don't care. They, they could have <laughs> built the world more. They could have built the reason to keep going through because I, I just never felt the reason to go through. It seems like everything is so basic beyond the gameplay. They could have fleshed it out more, especially when you have those comparison games that I mentioned that do world building. And this game, it just... I guess I maybe I should have tried the side missions more because I was trying to go more just straight up. I haven't really been like super stumped or anything because it seems like things are straightforward and I played for about an hour but I just didn't care to keep going I didn't care they never had me invest in reason to do it and you said that whole work versus fun thing if it does feel like tedious tasks I think you need something to spice it up something to care more about it maybe if the blocks are something different you know it's not just simple blocks to pass through these different processes or just something more creative to it. I, I, it just felt like it was missing some element to really offer that engagement to want to do these type of tasks. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It does feel a little repetitive at times. They do, the way they've tried to, like, spice up the different things is on those side missions, these are, like, extra jobs you're taking on while you're doing your your main task of trying to get your your cat translator going so you take on these side projects and they earn you money that you can purchase in-game like things for your office so the main out the main area where you're in while you're doing this is your little office so you can buy like a plant for your office or other things to like kind of spice up your office and that's the reason to do these other uh side missions is to they they reinforce what you've already done, but then they are earn you money by completing them. Uh, but even the the task I think I'm stuck on is actually on the main line. It's not one of these side tasks, and I just can't figure it out. Uh, but I I don't know. I, to me, it seems kind of like an educational title. It's more like a kind of teaching coding, but trying to make it fun in a in more of a game style than. Uh, like an outright, this is like a super entertaining puzzle game that you would, that someone would just pick up and play through. It seems kind of like an, uh, fun utainment kind of, uh, title to me. Where the other ones, the Technology Inc. and though are Tomorrow Incorporated, those titles, the human resources, felt like they're more geared as games and puzzle games because of those the weird worlds that they were in, this one feels more like an educational title to me. I miss the education of it, I guess. I felt like I didn't learn anything. I felt like it was so <laughs> GUI-based that I was like, I wish someone could design a GUI like this. Oh, so this, is how, no, this is how they code. teach kids now. There is block programming. This is how they do programming now in a lot of these things, in schools. They have this whole block programming But I, style. I'm missing the step to figuring out how to actually code. Like, who's designing the actual back end, you know, to have these little block ends matter. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is the basic. This is like the this is super the basic logic. that I don't. Yeah. It seems like it's a super big jump to actually be able to code. That's all. Oh, okay. I don't feel like I I've see. learned yeah. any elements of it. Yeah, this is how coding is now. For They have this whole block coding where you don't actually write the code. You've moved these logical blocks around. I don't know. I don't get it either, but um. That's okay, the way it's enough. going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I just don't see the eventual jump to like if you get employed where you just have to drag these things around, then you don't really need to teach people that much. That's all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, but this teaches them logic, logic information, like how to okay. do logical puzzles is is what I think it, it's going for. But I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I think it's uh, entertaining, but I can definitely see where it's not for everyone. So that's well true. Learn. It's four ninety nine and it's universal. And before we end it, I just did want to mention something that we didn't talk about at the top, and that's Apple cards have arrived and Apple released cleaning instructions for the new Apple card. So your fancy all white credit card, guess what? Apple suggests that you don't use it in leather wallets and you don't use it with denim pants. Because you know, hardly anyone has denim based pants or leather based wallets, so that shouldn't impact that many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is like another one of their absolute ridiculous things where did they even test this card out and have someone carry it around at all? Like, how do you not know that it's going to get discolored? It sounds like fairly easily by just carrying it around in a leather wallet. Like, that is the most common way people are going to carry this card around is in some kind of leather wallet. 
Yep, remember, you're storing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, so you'll have to make sure you get your Apple sleeve or whatever they're going to put out. Apparently, it scratches very easily with pocket change as well, so don't oh, put it in a pocket nice. pocket change. So yeah. yeah, I need an Apple card protector. Yep. So yep. I, I think that's everything for episode 113. Yeah, that's all I got. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at AppAdvice and at AppAdicNet for updates throughout the week. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.